Hey, Crossings Podcast community. This teaching is called The Risk of Optimism and is the fourth homily in our Advent Word and Table series. It was taught by Caleb Gilmore on December 19th, 2021. Thanks for listening. Our Old Testament reading is from the book of Micah, chapter 5, verses 2 through 5a. But you, O Bethlehem of Ephratah, who are one of the little clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to rule in Israel, whose origin is from of old, from ancient days. Therefore he shall give them up until the time when she who is in labor has brought forth. Then the rest of his kindred shall return to the people of Israel, and he shall stand and feed his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And they shall live secure, for now he shall be great to the ends of the earth, and he shall be the one of peace. Our psalm reading is from Psalm 80, 1 through 7. Give ear, O shepherd of Israel, you who lead Joseph like a flock. You who are enthroned upon the cherubim, shine forth before Ephraim and Benjamin and Manasseh. Stir up your might and come to save us. Restore us, O God. Let your face shine that we may be saved. O Lord, God of hosts, how long will you be angry with your people's prayers? You have fed them with the bread of tears and given them tears to drink in full measure. You make us the scorn of our neighbors. Our enemies laugh among themselves. Restore us, O God of hosts. Let your face shine that we may be saved. Our gospel reading is found in the book of Luke, chapter 1, verses 39 through 45. In those days, Mary set out and went with haste to a Judean town in the hill country, where she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the child leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why has this happened to me? that the mother of my Lord comes to me. For as soon as I heard the sound of your greeting, the child in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her by the Lord. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked with favor on the lowliness of his servant. Surely from now on all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me, and holy is his name. His mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, according to the promise he made to our ancestors, to Abraham 
and to his descendants forever. So many of these readings don't reflect necessarily the bright, hopeful atmosphere that we would want to cultivate in the final week of Advent. This just goes to show you that we don't select these passages because they suit exactly what we want to hear. There's something happening in week four of Advent, this last Sunday before Christmas. 700 years ago, the bubonic plague ravaged Europe. 700 years ago, Dante Alighieri wrote his famous Inferno. The Hundred Years' War was fought between England and France roughly 700 years ago. And a period of literary revival known as the Renaissance began about 700 years ago. These people and events seem like ancient history, things long past to be studied. But our first two scripture readings today reflect the events of 2,700 years ago. When the prophet Micah spoke about one who is to rule in Israel coming from Bethlehem, the Israelite world was in crisis. The Assyrian Empire brutally exploited God's people. The society in Jerusalem was eat or be eaten. The wealthy exploited the poor. Fear was constant. Misinformation ruled the day. And to that group of people, Micah announced they would be given up for a time. There would be exile death, darkness. But there would eventually come a person who would unite, who would heal, who would be the one of peace, literally a person of shalom. To be honest, most of these readings for this week of Advent aren't particularly light or optimistic. I mean, the Psalm we read, Psalm 80, begs for God to shine forth and asks, how long must we eat and drink tears for food? How long must we bear the shame of our world? The refrain pleads, restore us. O God, let your face shine that we may be saved. Those of you who know me well know that I struggle with optimism. (laughs) Uh, One of my friends, Jeff Wishcamper, who's a part of our community at Crossings, shared a tweet with me last week that I think sums this up. The initial tweet came from a popular speaker, Simon Sinek, who wrote, take the risk of optimism. And you just know that by putting something like that out there on a place like Twitter, where trolls run rampant, that this wasn't going to go over well. But I particularly resonated with one person's reply, which said, Okay, but I'm not feeling good about how this is going to turn out. The words of Micah and the poet of Psalm 80 were writing their words roughly 700 years before the advent and life of Jesus. Take a second to consider that the groaning and longing of these scriptures existed prior to the advent of Jesus for the same amount of time that separates us from the Black Death or the Renaissance. I imagine that words like take the risk of optimism to people who lived in these long stretches of 700 years or so would begin to sound trite after a while. I mean, how long can a group of people 
an entire race of humanity continue to take that risk. Apparently, in our gospel reading, Mary dared to take that risk of optimism. If I had to choose to preserve only one Advent story, I think it would be this exchange between Elizabeth and Mary. And the reason is so simple. Despite 700 years of feasting on tears, watching kingdoms come and go, two pregnant women from the hill country find in each other a hopeful community in their wombs. The scene revolves around a basic greeting. And we all know that there's usually nothing more ordinary or meaningless than asking the question of someone, how are you doing today? But it's in the simplicity of this greeting, two women and their unborn children know something that no one else could know. Blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her. So in this fourth week of Advent, we arrive at a story that is literally pregnant with hope. But hope is still in the womb. Peace, shalom, has not yet been breached. And still, Mary sings her song. To hope Mary's hope, to believe Mary's peace, is a dangerous risk. Her melody hums the tune of the proud being scattered, the powerful dethroned, and the growling stomachs of the wealthy. Her crescendo lifts the lowly, the hungry, the seemingly forgotten. Her revolution chorus is a threat to a society which claims certainty of knowledge, a desire for more influence, and an expansion of investment portfolios. I mostly live and take part in that society, though. I breathe its air and move in it. Maybe that's why I struggle with the risk of optimism. I tend to lean heavily towards focusing on the long 700 years, the darkness, the groaning. So I want to qualify that I eventually came around on appreciating this challenge to take the risk of optimism. But I have some caveats. I wonder if the risk of optimism isn't so much saying that the last few hundred years have been rough, but it'll all turn out okay. Instead, I wonder if the risk of optimism is entrusting that the simple exchanging of greetings in community is the simple small sight of peace and hope. I'll never understand enough or control enough or have enough to shape the next 700 years of history. But I might, we might, in community, find hope, peace, shalom, kicking inside us as we see the face of God in each other and in our neighbor. So this Advent, may we not risk the optimism that everything will eventually come out on top. May we risk the optimism that the transcendent work being done inside each of us can be passed along in conversations, in community, in a meal, in service, in a simple greeting. May we risk the optimism that we are not determined by the last 700 years of history. 
May we risk the optimism to discard the lies we've believed, the selfishness we've entertained, and the isolation we've put ourselves and others into. This Advent, may we risk an optimism in a pregnant peace breaking out among us now, just on the horizon. And may our actions and our words live into that peace. Peace.